welcome to A Space for Oddities, a podcast with me, Vincent. And me, Katie. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the accent. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> this, this podcast is a celebration of the curious side of creativity. We are the oddities and we are looking for the oddities. So what, what we're planning to do here is one of us acts as a teacher and the other as a student. And this episode, it's fallen for me to be the teacher and for Katie to be the student. It's down to you. It's down to you. So today we are looking at the golem. Now, for all you spelling fans out there. I love spelling. Oh, a little bit of spelling. Spelling. This is golem. G-O-L-E-M. Not to be confused with Gollum, the little guy played by Andy Serkis. My precious. I mean, we had to get a My Precious reference out the way in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, because you know, it was going to happen eventually. We've cleansed it? the air of the Gollum presence. Mm, now, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's internal screaming. It's gone from an ohm to a, just an internal panic. <laughs> right, so I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. Kick so off. a basic outline of the Gollum is it's a item or a, a creature from Jewish folklore made of mud or clay formed by a person and then brought alive and controlled. And it's, it's probably not something that's quite in the modern zeitgeist, mm. but I would say it's something that's influenced a lot of things around us, and that's why we're focusing on it. What, what we've done here is I've researched this topic quite a bit, and Katie's just researched it a little, so we'll have little jump-off points where Katie already knows a little bit, but neither of us are historians of golems. Oh, Should we oh make that neither clear? of us are Jewish? No. Or... Um, or made of clay. Or made of clay. You don't know that. Peel me back. I might secretly be. <laughs> There's no clay. blood in these veins. It's all clay. <laughs> all clay, baby. I'm all clay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll kick it off with the concept of this. The idea is is that it could be any kind of interpretation is what you want to put on it. It's it's not got a gender. It's neither good nor evil. It's just an unnatural force. It's something unformed and created by a person to be controlled. And it's directly observant for those reasons, you know. Mm -hmm. If you tell the golem to go attack something, it's going to do it because it doesn't have a conscious. It's a, it's a power controlled by people, and that's both good and bad in the, the folk tales that exist. Well, I suppose it depends on the person controlling. Yeah, exactly. So the, the golem. The, the most historically famous one is about a rabbi from Prague. Have you? Did you see this bit? I heard, I saw brief mention of Prague-based rabbi, yes. but I didn't investigate depth. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. If if you want to search it up, just just search Golem and Prague, and you'll find exactly who we're talking about here. But essentially, what he does is he goes down to the banks of the river. He collects up the all the clay and all the mud there. And he creates and animates a golem to protect the ghettos mm. of Prague from anti-Semitic attacks. So you've already got this hero narrative, which is quite interesting. Mm. Because when you hear about somebody creating something out of nothing to control it, you kind of instantly assume the worst, I would say. Yeah, like a sort of, it's alive! Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, crack. And, and to bounce off that, the, the tale of Frankenstein is said directly to come from inspiration of Golem because, I mean, mm. what, it's a person creating a creature, Frankenstein's monster, out of all different bits and then brings it alive and it, it's completely obedient. Anything 
you know, anything it's told to do, it does. Yeah. It's interesting how it's like mysticism and folklore within the sort of religious context. It's funny, at the start you said it was a, a Jewish um, folk tale mm. and stuff. And sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's quite an unusual combination of of saying something's... Because I, I, would, I wouldn't, you know, like in other religions, I wouldn't say like, I don't know, the, the tale of the bread and the fish, Jesus putting on yeah. a bloody good dinner. You know, it's interesting how it's called a folk tale. Yeah, as well. because it, cause folk magic and folk tales and things like that aren't usually directly religious. They're usually separate from religion. Yeah, they are. Because religion is where miracles happen. Mm. And folk tales, folk anything, is usually common people doing mm. common things, but creating them in a way that is special to them. Yeah. Some would say that was a oddity. And, and, sorry, can, can you say that louder? A oddity. It's mm, <laughs> a lot of grunting going that, on. Oh, I love it. Visceral, primal, primal podcasting right here. Primal podcast. That was like when they say the title of the film in the film. <laughs> yeah, and everybody looks at the screen. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. It's the title of the film. <laughs> so you might be wondering about the history of this, and there isn't a set date where this comes from because it's all from... Uh, it's like a vocal mm. history. It's a it's oh, a spoken yes. narrative. You I know, love it. it it doesn't have one set point where it's come from. But over centuries, it's been used to connotate war, community, isolation, hope, and despair. It's it's essentially a canvas that people project other ideas onto. Oh, I like I like that mm. metaphor of a blank canvas. Sorry, I, well I had to get it in there, didn't I? <laughs> I uh, I studied art. I did. I went to art school, as did you. We are sat here in our painted uh, overalls with our berries on. Yes. Uh, in a um, in our in the, in the meadow in a meadow. Oh yes. Painting the meadow. That's um, where we are right I've now. I've just finished my last tube of crimson red. Oh, yellow okra for me. Ooh. Yellow ooh. okra. Give me that dirty yellow. I, I want a bit of burnt sienna, maybe. Oh, maybe. Can you have burnt burnt okra? Mm. Best of both worlds. It would be very nice. Would it be golden coloured? Is that is that what a coloured golem would be? <laughs> Maybe. I don't think they've ever actually said, oh, it is this colour. This is it. Because it describes it being made of mud and clay, you just assume it's an earth tone, I would suspect. Mm. Well, it depends on the clay. You could get pink clay, can't you? Can you? I'm sure that's... I've seen, like... It know, would make beauty. sense with, like, pink salt. Pink if that salt. reached, like, the clay and mud areas mm. of the ground, you know, it would make sense that it changed yeah. the colour. I'm sure you could pay, like, 500 quid for a pink clay face mask. Oh, do you know what? That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That would be a very feminine golem if it I was very it. pink. Yeah, really fabulous golem. You could, like, build it out of clay and it'd bring you, like, bouquets. Or oh. do you know those little daisy chains that you'd make as a kid? You'd make <gasps> oh, a huge, like, six-foot golem one. just to bring you little... Daisy chains. Now that is my kind of golem, and I think that there's there's space in the golem world for that as well. I feel like they're pretty, as you say, blank canvas. Mm. I want mine to make daisy chains for me, pal. And it's like, yeah, cool, go for it. It's happening. So, one thing I wanted to speak about this is a lot of places that reference the golem is they say it's a it's a signifier of hubris. So there's a lot of stories where it's created and then it goes the wrong way so perhaps one person creates it to finish a deed for them maybe help them build the house but another person in the story realizes that this golem is completely obedient and then uses it for a more uh, i don't know a more divine purpose there's been stories where 
the golem ends up destroying the thing it created because it was told to do two things at once and couldn't comprehend. Oh. It's 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 trying to explain. It's it's a tool for saying, you know, if we always do what we're told, then we're never doing what we want to do. And the the point of the golem isn't that it has a purpose of its own. It fulfills the purpose of what it's been given. A bit, Does that make enough sense? Yeah, it, it's like you're like, oh, if if your friend, uh, big John John, tells you to run off a cliff. Would, would you? you do? But the golem would. But the golem would. But he'd be fine. He's he's inhuman. He's inhuman, but maybe it's if it represents you. I mean, if he hit the sea, he wouldn't. Oh, be he'd be in trouble then. He'd be a very <laughs> sloppy golem. Sloppy goal. Um, yeah. Okay. So, if we jump ahead of the 16th century rabbi of Prague that we mentioned before, I don't know if I mentioned the century, but also quick oh. joke. Oh, oh. Prague. Check it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I was... <laughs> I'm going to Humortown. Oh. Choo-choo. Destination Humortown. <laughs> Via Prague, apparently. Via Prague. Check it out. That is a long train ride. Check Can my interrailing ticket take me there? Oh, with the golem. The power of the golem. He can pick you up and carry you. Oh, that'd be great. That It'd would be, be a be bit good. slow, though. I don't know, you take big imagine... steps. Yeah, but like clay isn't made for speed. Clay, <laughs> clay isn't made for speed. <laughs> don't tell the clay PR board that. <laughs> They've figured it out. They've figured it out about the clay. <laughs> Bloody hell. So how I found out about this was a documentary that Marvel had made. And it referenced certain characters such as The Thing, which is part of Fantastic Four, and The Hulk. Now... The Hulk is said to be inspired by the Golem. And, you know, there's a bit of a, a history about how it is and, you know, why it is. But the thing is a direct relation to the Golem. So uh, Stanley's son explains that the Golem was a Jewish folklore being brought to an American audience. And he, it was an allegory when it was turned into the thing for his father, who was shunned in the streets because there were signs up at the time when he was there saying... No Jews. We don't want Jews here. But he was celebrated for the Marvel comics and how well they were doing. So the thing is celebrated when Fantastic Four defeats somebody, mm. but is horrified at and screamed at in the streets. And I think that's quite an interesting thing to think of. Whereas in the past, this golem figure has only been part of folklore. It's only been something someone created. It's it's never had a physical embodiment. And here we've got an allegory for you know, comics' most famous mm. man. Sorry, listeners, we are taking a break to open some beers. Oh, now, if anybody knows me well enough, you know how much I love a stock sound, so we're going to have a go here right now. <sighs> it was a bit depressing, that. Do you want to try, try yeah. a better one? Let me have a go. Let me have a go. I'm going see the coat. There we go. Now, this is how I end up spilling beer all over Vinny's microphone game. I can't... Go on, you can get it a bit closer to the mic. I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm, do you know, I've already spilled an entire mug of coffee down my front today. And yesterday I spilled an entire jar of jam all over my kitchen floor yesterday. Oh. <laughs> so what, what is it with, like, the full contents of things we've spilled? Why don't you just spill, like, a smaller quantity? I, I don't do half measures. I don't do half measures. If, I'm going if it's to... going on the floor, it's all of it. It's all in the did you Did you even, like, spoon out the little bits you had missed of the jam and throw them at the floor in anger? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you should have done, shouldn't you? Nice chunks of wild strawberry. Yeah, because it was my posh jam as well. 
My bon maman. Oh. Bon maman. They've got such nice labels, oh, haven't they? So nice. Yeah, but they're, they're saying like, oh, look at us. We're, um, we're a nice little factory. Well, no, they're not. No, I've got it the wrong way around. <laughs> we're a nice factory. I got fa- it the wrong way around. We're a nice factory. <laughs> just, no, they're saying they're a nice farm, mm. but they're really a factory. Yeah. And it's huge. I've driven past it. Oh, have you? Yeah. You've been to Bon Maman? No. Well, I think I have. I've, we've mm. been in the car driving through France mm. and we've gone past something that looked like the Bon, bon Maman. Bon Maman. Bon Maman. We've gone past what looks like the label, but in a huge sign form. And this factory was enormous. <gasps> Luscious. It was like it was just past Calais, so it was right on the, oh, right on the edge of the coast. Import me them jams. Exactly. Import me them jams, baby. <laughs> I bet. I bet it's just got a factory in like Doncaster. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's not as fancy as we think it is. <laughs> so we mentioned Gollum, not Gollum, Gollum, Gollum from the Lord of the Rings before. Andy Circus. Andy's Circus. <laughs> How many times do you think you go, oh, mate, mate, Andy, Andy, how's your elephants? Where's your circus at, Andy? Where's where's the tent, pal, pal? If I see him, because he always comes to Carlisle. <laughs> he's, always, he's always bouncing about, isn't oh, he? I can't move from Andy Circus. Bloody hell, Andy, get out of my kitchen. But There's jam everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's, that's why he's stuck. That's why he can't move, because he's stuck down with the <laughs> sticky jam. But he's not got his, boy, his blooming clowns on tiny little bicycles, though. God. Bloody hell, Andy. Bloody Andy. So, let's let's explain this. Golem and Gollum are not alike. It's believed that Tolkien may have used the word because mm. Gollum lives in the dirt. He is a unfamiliar, unforgiving creature. Oh, I tell you what, he's a golem. Gollum is a golem for the power of the ring. So, so this is what some people think, <sighs> but he's, there was never anything said by Tolkien that said, "Oh yeah, I got that idea mm. from there." Because there's another word that sounds a little like gold, which sounds like Gollum, which yeah. people think it might come from that because the ring is gold. But I think we just, I was just throwing this in to clear it to say the Golem and the Gollum, Gollum. Gollum. Are, two, are two separate things. Two separate things. One is a clay being. The other is a clay no, I'm just confusing it. No, he's like sort of whitey, beigey, cream, Ooh, creme, creme. Beige. <laughs> the, the, the beast in Magnolia. <laughs> the beast, the beast in uh, the beast of Bodmin. I feel like, do you know, Tolkien is a was a very intelligent academia chappy. He was like some professor in Oxford. I've always written him off as just being a bit crap. I know. This but is the end of the podcast. He he wrote a it. book in Lancashire and then named the places where everyone lives as Shires. Shires. So I was like, I wonder where he got that idea from. I've always kind of <laughs> I've kind of just written him off for that. But perhaps he perhaps <laughs> he's a little more intelligent than I'm giving first, him. First scenes of Lord of the Rings. Ah, he's fucking named it after Yorkshire. <laughs> Lancashire. Stupid fella. Can't fool us in North. Can't fool us. Bloody hell. Well, carry on. You were saying about how intelligent he was before I derailed you. Oh, I... Oh, I but, um, well, I mean, the fact that Lord of the Rings was written because he wanted a history for the language he created. He created a language. He created... Um, was it Elvish? I think it was Elvish. Yeah, it was Elvish first. Hmm. And then he wrote... Well, he wrote The Hobbit way before it. And then he wrote Lord of the Rings to back up a language he, he, he made. Oh, bloody hell. So that's pretty cool. So maybe he was... Coming across words like golem. Oh, 
and wrote yeah. that character in because mm. he had created this this elvish this husk because Gollum is a husk of a man just powered completely by the power of the ring oh bloody so there you go you've described it I've better than it. me I should, because because the the Gollum would be a husk of clay wouldn't it yeah <sighs> that's very good man. I should be a Tolkien expert I've seen you know I've I've seen the films. I've seen the extended editions of the films. So just call me a professor. Right I don't want to rock the boat, but I don't really like the films all that much. <gasps> I haven't read the books, Vincento. so I can't. I can't do the the books are better. Vincento. I'm sorry. So in your small passage of learning, devastated, <laughs> devastated. Pasture of learning. The small pasture of learning. <laughs> I wasn't originally going to go for pasture. I love it. But it came to mind. I thought, why not? The pasture of learning. The pasture of learning. That's very cottagecore. It is. I love Wait, it. What's cottagecore? What's cottagecore? Maybe, maybe that should be. That's that's podcast. That's a podcast. Stay tuned all for the cottagecore podcast. That's all in itself. It's this whole pastoral appreciation aesthetic that was really hyped up during lockdown. There we say the L word, lockdown. Uh, oh, God, that was cliche, wasn't it? That? Um, but yes. So in your small pasture, your small hold of learning. <laughs> yes, uh, my baby goats. Did you have you learnt anything further about this that I haven't covered? Well, it was interesting the whole mysticism side of it because I saw it was from Kabbalahism. Kabbalahism. Oh. Which is a sort of as I, from a very from my very small pasture, it was a sort of mystic side of Judaism, and. Um, because there was that whole hype, wasn't there, of everybody wearing them little red strings. That yeah. Was, was it Madonna or Gwyneth Paltrow? Is one of them. It was some celebrity. Because I remember them. You could get them in... Um, do you know what gacha machines are? <gasps> yes, the you Japanese could, yeah, things. I remember being in a supermarket and I remember putting some money in and turning a, a little wheel to get this ball to drop down with a Pokemon in it. But I absolutely minorly did the wrong one and I got a Kabbalah bracelet yeah. and i wore it for years i had no idea it was some kind of symbol of jewish faith i <laughs> i uh i wore it because it was like um it was like a little cotton um strand and it had mm. little wooden beads on it and they varied in color it was like a, a scale of brown and it Ooh. reached the darkest point and started again i thought it was great that sounds lovely. i wore it for years what a what a wonderful um gacha yeah ga- the, in in Japan they call it Gachapon, but we just Gachapon. call it Gacha here because that's what the company who mm. exports all the machines are called, mm. I believe. Yeah. So, so, I'd like to take you now to the oddity section. So this is where we we find the oddity of the creative story, and this one is Clayboy. <laughs> not to be confused with Playboy. Playboy, Clayboy, play play clay, play play, play dough. Play-Doh. So Hugh Hefner has no involvement in this. I would like oh. to clear up. So Clayboy is a Slavic folktale. <gasps> I love all things Slavic. Yeah, so I'm just going to read you. I was going to I was gonna break it all down, but the excerpt from Wikipedia is bloody fantastic. <laughs> so I'm just going to read it for you with its bad grammar and everything, <laughs> and we're just going to have to discuss it from there. So here goes. In one common Russian version... An older couple whose children have left home make a boy out of clay and dry him by the half. So are you seeing the similarity to the gingerbread man here? Yeah. So so yeah. it's it's believed that this is like a, um, perhaps the root for the gingerbread man story or even a cross between the two because once again, it, it's a vocal history. They don't actually mm. know when this came from. The clay boy comes to life. At first, the couple is delighted, obviously. Oh, mate, look like, at that. Look at that. 
<laughs> oh, mate, that's sick, isn't it? That's... Have you seen our clay lad? Oh, mate, lad, 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 lad. Where, where, where's our clay at? <laughs> <laughs> mate, he's running over hills. Right, so delight him. They feed him and treat him like a real child. But the clay boy does not stop growing. Mm. So here starts the problems. Mm. Okay. He eats all their food, all their livestock, and then eventually his parents. So that's it's pretty monstrous. Yeah, that's not a great result, is it? Being so eaten. This, this huge clay boy <laughs> that has just eaten a household of food, livestock, and two humans. Mm. How would you stop something like this? Well, I mean, what did they do? And Tiger came for tea, who ate a load of squan. What did they do? I think... Oh, they tried to put him in the bath, didn't they? And he left. I think so, yeah. That's cats for you, isn't it? Yeah, that is cats. Yeah, and again, for the golem, bit yeah. of water, make them all of... sloppy. So you think possibly a solution by water? Trial yeah. by water? Trial by water. That's right. my solution to everything. Well, I'd like to tell you that you are very wrong. <laughs> the clay boy rampages through the village oh, until no. it is smashed by a quick-thinking goat. Oh. That's the end of the excerpt. I love it. I love it. What, what a way to wrap up a story. I know. I'm just... Can you imagine? Whoever was first thinking of this, like, God, how do I end this? This thing could just grow forever. I know. Goats. Goats. I mean, I suppose in Slavic areas, you know, you've what? got a goat. You've got a nice... A quick thinking goat. Like, a quick thinking how did How did it outsmart this absolute appetite for destruction? How did it just go, do you know what? I'll just smash into it. I'll figure it out. Smash. Well, I, th- I think goats... Goats, A... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a very again. If you know me, you know my current obsession with goats. Um, they they're very smart. They're very intelligent. They're very emotionally intelligent as well. Are they? Especially if you cut um, cut his balls off, mate. As oh. well. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so so what? What particularly about removing the balls of a goat? Well, it's it's like. The testosterone isn't flowing around the goat as much. Does it become more placid or does it become more, more angry placid. because of that? <laughs> more pla- I suppose I think it's angry at the start. Yeah. And then it gets placid. But to refer, but that was a Mighty Boosh reference. So if you got the cut his balls off, mate, <laughs> if you get that, then 10 brownie points from Katie. I um, was um, watching Mighty Boosh for the second time in my life uh, when I was about 14. And my mum saw it and told me to go to bed. And I interpreted that as I wasn't allowed to watch it anymore. Aww. So I was a very obedient child and just Aww. didn't watch it again until I watched the clip for I've got your eels, boy. Ah, yes, eels. yes, yes. Eels. Eels. Oh, up inside you. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Something about goats. Yes. Um, you were saying about <laughs> removing the testicles. Yeah. But anyway, I, be- I believe a quick-thinking goat. It's a great way to round off a story if you just think, and they woke up, and he woke up, and it was all a dream. But it was, he was smashed by a goat. It was all a dream. You see, that makes me think of that the the clay golem is quite a brittle clay. As yeah. Well. So I mean, this this has been um, spun off from the golem story because originally it was you know it was protecting the whole of Prague from anti-Semitic attacks. So. Mm. <laughs> I was going to try and speak then, and that came out <laughs> instead. So what what I was trying to say is, I think the original story makes the golem this huge, massive, um, super mm. strong clay because a god it, almost, uh, yeah, almost, or at least a deity or yeah. a demigod. Yeah, I would say that it was 
clay was one of the strongest substances they knew about in the 16th century. I would mm. suspect. Yeah, I that, wonder what... that at least a rabbi could co- could conjure with his own hands. Yeah, you know he's not going to be smithing bronze, is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. At least let's say perhaps the strongest natural force. Yeah, I wonder whether like they've got a big like ceramic past in Prague. I don't. Be I mean, I would say anywhere in developed Europe was yeah. using ceramics quite a Make lot. Make a nice few tiles. Yeah, here and there. Yeah, the Portuguese did. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I don't see why the the Czechs couldn't. The significance of clay is interesting, actually. Yeah, like because it is quite malleable if you get a nice. Yeah, it starts texture. off as a very a very soft, very placid substance, mm. and once once baked, once hardened, it's it's suitable to eat from. It's suitable mm. to build on. Yeah. It's. I think that's perhaps why it's so prominent and it's inspired so many things because the idea of clay is that it's completely malleable. So people have altered the the folktale. To their own Ooh. meaning, their own device, such as the clay boy. Yeah, I like it. The clay boy reminded me of Pinocchio as well, actually, of making something inanimate come to life. Yeah, I feel like a, a lot sense. of these stories are, are riffing off these. Yeah, <laughs> they are and all. Because it's that classic thing of the Brothers Grimm said there was only six types of stories. Have you heard that before? Oh, no, I haven't actually. So I don't know all of them well enough to describe them all, but there's the, the idea is, is that there's only six or so stories and they're all recycled in a certain way. And if you break things down into their composite uh, parts, yes. they all link in a way. Yes. It's sort of like the six degrees of separation. Yeah, <laughs> of Kevin Bacon. Because that sounds quite familiar from way back when in film studies you'd do sort of narrative theory. Yeah, and, and you would find how one thing linked to another. Yeah, Levi Strauss with his... Um, hypodermic syringe model <laughs> Is it, wasn't that Levi Strauss <laughs> not, not the Levi Strauss I'm familiar with <laughs> he did a theory of of two of of, of the, the plot line of narrative of twos because hmm. it was Levi and it was trousers and there's two legs and the trousers and his theory was of the narrative of, of two opposing forces uh-huh, okay. Yeah. So I did I did oh I've just hit the mic there. Oh. That is a that is a rookie blunder. Um I did media studies, not film studies. Oh. But I do remember <laughs> Levi Strauss. And that was just the first term that came into my head is the hypodermic syringe <laughs> model. And I think that it I mean, have you come across that term? Because I distinctly remember it being information that is forced upon you. So when oh. a character says, Oh, don't you remember? My name is so and so. That's that's part of the hypodermic syringe model where you are forced information rather than rather than forming it yourself. Oh no, that's new for me. I mean, it is mm. your two 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 week two to week. Okay, so yeah. we should probably wrap this up. I, I think we're, we're starting. I'm starting to talk out of my ass. Well, we've had a mic tap, a burp, and lots of giggling about goats. lots of um, going up. Um, Ooh, uh, ooh, mm, hmm. Stock sounds. Stock sounds. (laughs) I didn't know how to respond to that. I just, I just looked Katie straight in the face and just kind of thought, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and that was worth it just to see Vinny's face. Right, okay, now, yes. Right, so we'll we'll, we'll wrap this up. We'll wrap this up. So, Golum, not to be confused with Golum. Golum. Is a clay being formed... By a person and controlled completely by a person, comes from Jewish folklore, most famously from the 16th century, very modernly 
very that's not a word very modernly very mo- oh you're very modernly today <laughs> oh thank you very much <laughs> very applicated in modern times oh that's, that's that good. was a bit better wasn't it that's good because we're still getting the hang of this and i think it is a creative oddity because lots of people know the modern references but don't know the original reference yes that's, like that's what I thought of when I first heard it. When I was watching the documentary about Marvel, I thought, that's incredible. Like I know both these characters. I recognise the tale of the golem, but I don't actually know it. So that's that was my sort of... You know when you summarise at the end of an essay and yeah. you're just trying to fit all the key words in? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what my end of essay summary was. I like it. And you've hit your 20,000 word mark. Yes. Uh, well done. I'll throw a few extra spaces in at the end just to make it think that I've thrown a few extra words in. I might, I might just put like some space between the sentences. Oh, just, yeah. I'll double space it. I'll double space it. Oh, that's naughty. That is naughty, but 14 point as well. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go all out. Double space, 14 point. The trick's that's my the trade, con- baby. <laughs> that's my contribution to this, uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this particular recording. Right, well. So we, do we sign off? How do we end this? We say... This is before we uh, add professional stings. A space for oddity. With Katie and Vincent. With Katie and Vincent, yes. <laughs>